with two testimonies of uh, this past week. You know, last week we read about uh, the Spirit coming on, baptizing for the first time the church. Uh, we 120 people start speaking in tongues. We realize the verbal component of being filled with the Spirit is important. You know, preaching goes on, worship goes on, uh, the glorifying of God goes on. Prayer, tongues in prayer is powerful. We pray the things that our mind doesn't even know about, but yet we pray in the will of God. So this past week at the Uptown uh, site that we have, a young girl came forward and she said, I want to be filled with the Spirit. She was expecting to speak in tongues straight away. She was a little disappointed afterwards that it didn't happen. But later that night, she gets hold of Guy, who is the elder that's our site captain over there, and she says, I went into the bathroom and suddenly I started to speak in tongues because in her heart she was saying, Lord, I want to pray in that heavenly language. And so she came out of there full of joy and praying in the spirit and found God to tell him about it. Another one this past week is one of the young girls, her granny works here at uh, the church. She got saved. She's also said she wants to be prayed for to be filled of the spirit. So she gets to her granny after this has all happened and she says, guess what? I can speak in Spanish now. So it's good for her. I'm sure God's okay with that. You know, sometimes it sounds like Chinese or Spanish or something. But yet, we need the Holy Spirit for all of that. We really do need Him. This morning, we're going to continue with looking at Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God has just been poured out. And remember how it ends. These people have got to be drunk. There was lots of amazement, there was perplexity, and there was cynicism. And so we pick it up in chapter 2 and verse 14. But Peter standing with the eleven, standing with the eleven, isn't that a wonderful picture of unity, lifted up his voice and addressed them. This was an opportunity for the gospel. And I believe that every opportunity that we get, that God gives us, where people are listening, where something has happened, it's not to promote ourselves. It's not to uh, kind of try and highlight, you know, how good we are. It's to lead people to Jesus Christ. This is what he says. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. What a great way to begin a sermon. Okay. Let's just keep quiet now. I've heard your opinions. Just listen to me. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. The pubs don't open until later, so don't be stupid. These people are not drunk. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Can you see Peter there? Wherever it was, some people say at the temple, some say it was outside this very lawny house that had an upper room, and there was a crowd gathered in the square. But there he is, fired up. Three and a half years of prep to get to this point, he wasn't going to let this opportunity go. And then he says, And in the last days it shall be declared, uh, it shall be God declares that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You've got to put Peter's attitude in there. You know, Peter was over the top. You know, I'll walk on the water. Peter was, you know, you're the Christ. Peter was, you don't have to go to the cross. You know, Peter was always, like, forceful, 
and dynamic in what he was doing. This wasn't just a little, let's read the Scriptures passively. This was revelation coming to him right then and there about, wow, God has finally poured out His Spirit. Old men will dream dreams. Hey, Barry? Amen. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my Spirit and they shall prophesy. Isn't that interesting? He covers every kind of person, rich, young, old, you know, whoever they are, whatever, you know, old, whatever it is. This gift that God has given us in baptism of the Spirit and being filled of the Spirit has only one precondition, is that you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's it. This isn't given especially to that group of people, to that group of people. It's to every single one of us. This has been given. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the, great, uh, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. So he's saying there's a new era that's begun. And this era is the time of the Holy Spirit. And we are going to see the church alive with God's power, not limited to the priest, the prophet, the king, and the elders. This is for every one of us. The temple curtain has been torn, and we all can be filled with His Holy Spirit. And eventually that day will come when Jesus comes back. And we need it from when Christ left until when He comes again. We need that baptism in and that infilling of the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, there'll be kind of strange things happen in the heavenlies. We know the closer we approach the end, so these strange signs just seem to be more and more and more. Listen to this, and it shall come to pass that on everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Purpose of everything is not that there's this kind of sideshow or this thing that makes the church look good. The issue of all of this and every opportunity we're given is that people are born again. We need to get into that heart and that understanding that it's all about people getting born again. I'm born again so that people can get born again. I get given opportunities so that others may be born again. I connect and develop friendships. Guess why? Underneath it all, there's a strategy for them to get born again. I love my family, and because I'm born again, they are all going to get born again. Because I'm going to pray, and I'm going to look for opportunities to share Christ. It's all about people getting born again. It's not kind of, you know, using this for self-promotion or for the church to look good. This is so that people need to be saved. What is the issue from now until the return of Christ? People need to be born again. They need to. And I have lost my place. Verse 22. Well done, thank you. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you, and now he's speaking to the crowd, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God through, did through him in your midst, as you yourself know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and full knowledge of God, you crucified and killed. And you say, thank goodness I wasn't in that crowd. I wasn't a Jew. Guess what? We crucified and killed him because of our sin. Our sin drove him to the cross, every single one of us. 
and killed in the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it, the resurrection. Death could not hold him down. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. And all those who have received Christ as Lord and Savior will not be abandoned to Hades. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Does that sound like a fisherman? An ignorant fisherman, scriptures will tell us, not at all. This man is anointed by the Spirit of God. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. David prophesied that Christ would come. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all our witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you you yourselves are seeing and hearing. In other words, this is a fulfillment of Scripture. This tells us Christ has ascended. He's been glorified. Then Christ gets the gift of the Father that he pours out. And this is what we've received. That's awesome. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he himself says... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Lord and Christ. Are we going to accept him today as Lord and Christ? Are we going to accept him today to those sitting at home as Lord and Christ? What does that mean? In other words, there's a dethroning and an enthroning. I've got to be dethroned and he's got to take position as the Lord of my life. And Christ, he is the anointed one. He's the savior. He's the one that's given his life so that I might have life. Isn't that awesome? What an incredible free gift. Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus as we look at this passage of scripture that you will help us understand the importance of my life in all of it. And, Lord, incredible mission that the church has. That you want to use me not only, Father, to understand this word, but to preach it. And that the church is going to take this message of reconciliation about a resurrected Christ to the ends of the earth. Thank you for the privilege, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First off, Peter teaches us some amazing lessons in this passage of Scripture. You know, Peter is the guy that consistently blows it. And if you're one of the disciples, like his brother Andrew, you're saying, thank God he blows it all the time, his attention's not on me. And I'm sure many of us have said, I'm so glad I was not Peter. But Peter sets us up with an amazing example of leadership, and submission to God, and what God can do with normal, ordinary people. You know, first off, Peter teaches us to use the the God-given opportunities for the gospel. You know, it's like at work, somebody says to you, why are you always happy? 
You know, that's not an opportunity just to smile and walk away. It's an opportunity to say, would you like to know why I'm happy? And then to share it. And so God will create opportunities for every single one of us as we pray. He does that. And so then we carefully, spirit-anointed, use those opportunities for the gospel. And so here's a golden opportunity for the gospel to go out and to prove that the Spirit of God has anointed us to be witnesses. And so I want to encourage us the right, uh, to do the same. Peter's commitment to character development is amazing. You know, he starts off really as a basket case. You know, could anything good happen with Peter? Because all he seemed to do is give Jesus problems. Problems, 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 problems. Problems. Get behind me, Satan. And here he's preaching a sermon. And 3,000 people are born again. Now that tells me there's hope for every one of us. What is the key issue? Follow Jesus. Let him make us. And we'll be surprised at what he does through us. Peter leads with unity. Uh, you know, we know that he's not afraid to step forward. But he, he, he mentions the 11 with him so that we'd understand that this is something we do together. It's not just about one person. I may have the baton at this moment. You have the, may have the mic. You may have the opportunity. But we do this together as a body. I love the fact, let me read the verse, Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. Normal, ordinary people can do extraordinary things. The precondition is that we've been with Jesus. We've prayed. We've trusted God for opportunities. And God will place us in some amazing places we wouldn't be, expect to be. You know, you have Philip in front of a, a town somewhere in Samaria preaching the gospel. We have Paul before kings. We have opportunities. Peter before a centurion where normally speaking Jewish people would tremble. But he has an opportunity to preach the gospel. And so there's this adventure open to us. And it's not like, uh, you know, well, let's choose the best person always. No, the available person is the best person. Think about it, the most difficult sermon to preach in the whole of the book of Acts was the sermon in front of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, and the net result of that was going to be martyrdom. And you know what? God puts his spirit on a man, Stephen. He's not an elder. He's not an apostle. He's a deacon. He was used to serving the tables. But God uses normal, ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And you know what? Through Stephen, Paul's heart was impacted. And through Paul, the world was impacted with the gospel. So who knows what fire is going to be ignited through my simple act of obedience, understanding that God is not limited to the great big heroes that we might consider those are the guys and girls that should be used. He wants to use every single one of us. Let's continue to trust him for that. This passage of Scripture is an incredible example of prophetic preaching, powerful gospel preaching. Yes, Peter, uh, he never had notes. He didn't kind of, you know, say, okay, I was waiting for this moment. I prepared this this morning, and he pulled out his scroll, scroll with a couple of points and scriptures written down. This was just the flow of his heart. And, and that teaches me 
And it should teach each of us that God wants to use us to preach His gospel. But in this passage, there's a wonderful way in which Peter preaches the gospel. Many, many scholars have studied this and shaped their sermon prep around it. This is how we should put sermons together. But it has all the elements in it to help you and me present the gospel. If we have opportunity to preach to thousands, there we have it. If we have opportunity to speak to one person, it's got all those elements in it, all of them. Michael Eaton in his commentary says, an outpouring of the Spirit will generally lead to transformed preaching, and the preaching will focus on Jesus as the Savior from sins. So we see that in that passage. I have been anointed. I will receive power to be a witness. And Peter shows us how. And the central focus of all of it is that people might receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so I'm not going to try and wow people with my great biblical understanding. I'm not going to awe people by, you know, what has happened in my life. No, I want to use all of that to get people to the point of saying, like with that 3,000, what do we do? And they receive Christ into their hearts as Lord and Savior. And Peter's carefully, he explains it all. He, he kind of starts where they are, the cynicism. You know, that's the bridge. You know, kind of find out where your audience is. Find out where that individual is. They cynical or they agnostic or, you know, there's some argument they have. There's something that they feel is a reason to exclude them from faith. And it's amazing how those reasons, kind of when you work through them, are, are no excuses at all. None. And so Peter starts right there. He uses where the folk are, their cynicism, and he says, you know what, the bars aren't even open. Come on. And then he starts to explain from the Scriptures. You see, our only explanation is the Scripture. Our only defense is the Word of God. And the Word of God has it all. The Word of God accounts for it all. The Word of God shows us. Remember Peter, um, Paul, on the Arapagus? He kind of sees an idol to an unknown God and then to these philosophers who philosophize about life and you know spirituality and all of that. He says, yes, an idol to an unknown God. Can I tell you about that unknown God? Their curiosity he starts there. Jesus, when the Tower of Siloam falls on those people, he says, are you more righteous than they? Are you ready for that moment as well? And so we use the opportunity at hand as a bridge, and we let Scripture fill the bits in. And you know, Peter was quite good with that, because he said, in Joel, it talks about the Spirit coming. In in the book of Psalms, it talks about the resurrection. That wasn't David. He hasn't risen from the dead. He was prophesying to Christ. And he brings it all to that place of the importance of everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be resurrected, shall be saved. And so here's a nice gospel outline for us. Start where the people are. Start where they are. Very important. Then carefully show them where they should be. Show them where they should be. I know you have these arguments. I know you kind of think they were drunk or you think you exempt, you know, even though you know yourself your life is that bad. You know, just start where they are and just show them this gospel. It's, somebody said it's like being on the moon with a tank full of oxygen and people are all going blue in their face. Just take that thing off your face, put it on their mouths and let them taste real oxygen. 
Let them be exposed to the flow of this gospel. Then you must pray and trust God for a response. And then show them how it can be and how it should be by leading them in a prayer. That should be first-hand understanding for every single one of us. And I think that's why the very first thing that happens as people are filled with the Spirit, Peter's using that vocal gift now, the anointing, comes to give our lips freedom to declare the wonders of our God. Can I tell you about Jesus? So I want to ask you and challenge you, challenge you around this. Are you ready to present the gospel wherever you are? Are you ready? If right now you kind of stop at the restaurant, you get out there and somebody sits next to you and says, I've watched you a while. Can you tell me how to be born again? What's your instinct? Or can I buy you a Bible? They wouldn't know where to start. You know, come to church one Sunday. That's a good idea. But I think what God is showing us in the season that we're in, we're all anointed to share the gospel. And there is no greater privilege than holding someone's hands and praying the sinner's prayer with them. Praying for them to receive Christ into their hearts as Lord and Savior. There can be no greater thing. They will look back on it for the rest of their lives as the most important moment in their history. You'll make history. What a privilege. So are you ready? And then I want to ask, do we respond to the situations around us with the gospel? Because that's how it was, as we'll see later on as well in the book of Acts. Every situation that arose, it was one for the gospel. Even to the degree that God had to give Peter a vision of unclean animals that he could kill and eat so that he would realize that God wants to save Gentiles. Do you know, today God wants to save every single person on the planet. Everyone. Everyone. And he's going to use us in some way. And then, do I know the gospel and can I elaborate it? And so we need to prepare ourselves. Uh, at this site, they are running a Love Joburg. They want to show us where we can go and pray for people and share the gospel, but also prepare us so that we can share the gospel. Do I know how to close the deal? How do I close that deal? How do I... How can I, I need to pray, I need to steer them in God's direction. I need to under, help them understand and be assured of their salvation. Uh, later on in Acts 2.42, it says about the disciples, they were devoted people. I need to show them how to be devoted. How are you devoted? How do you develop and grow as a Christian? We need to show them that. And then I want to ask you, are you praying for God-given opportunities for the gospel? Every day, every morning, we should be saying, out there, Father, who do you want me to speak to? Who do you want me to impact? You see, I may just be part of the process, and then somebody else will reap it. I know many people prayed into my life. Many people prayed into your life. And then one person sat there, and they were able to close the deal in inverted commas. But let's pray for opportunities. I want to have eyes to see. Pray ahead of time. Soften hearts, Father. Soften hearts. There's that wonderful, I think uh, Paul is before Felix, and as Paul explains and shares his testimony, and he says, do you want me to believe so easily? You know, it's, it's like, I can see where you're going with this, Paul, but you know, for him it wasn't that easy to believe, but he sowed a seed, and we'll be responsible for whatever opportunity we have 
to sow those seeds and to encourage people with joy, with a smile and a bounce and a rejoicing in our hearts. What a privilege it is to be able to share with others so that they can receive the freedom that I have. And so I'm going to pray for us that God would restore the joy of sharing His gospel and that we would understand how important it is for every single one of us to be available to God. It's like as soon as we hear about sharing the gospel, you know what it equates to? Equals root canal treatment. You know, root canal treatment starts with them injecting a thin metal thing into the first, the soft part. I don't mind that much, so that's okay. But when they say, we're going to have to go into the roof of your mouth, I'm thinking, are you mad? Do you know that there's gristle and bits there that are just more painful than others? And then they shove and and then bring me a mirror because I'm sure the needle's stuck out the back of my head already and you've missed the, the nerve. I can't believe it. And then when they eventually take that filling out or that rotten part of the tooth, oh, it can be saved, but we're going to have to do root canal. And I'm sorry, this may hurt because it's not an exact science. And then they start wiggling around. They pull that little thing out that looks like a worm. And by that time, they, I need resuscitation. You know, it's, I need pills and all sorts of gas and, I don't know, bandages and intensive care and so on. I need lots. And sometimes we equate that to witnessing. You know, it's like, oh, just the embarrassment. Oh, you know, I'm going to have to, now they know I'm a Christian. The embarrassment of, no, this is the greatest joy that we have. Put Peter in front of the crowd, he explodes with the gospel. Put us in front of people who don't know Jesus, we explode. You know with what? The love of Christ. This morning I was reading about the immeasurable love of Christ. You know, so many times I limit God because, you know, I, I kind of think perhaps he's run out of love for me by now. No, not at all. And give us that love for people, Father. Could we bow our heads, please? I'd love to pray for us. It's kind of like the mobilizing of this group, the priesthood of all believers, every person that makes up the body of Christ is important. Every one of us. Of course, if you've never responded to the gospel. This is your day. Guys out there who are watching this online, people of here, it's easy. It's easy. What you're seeing and what you're hearing is that God loves you and He wants a relationship with you. And the way we receive Him into our hearts is we say thank you for forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you into my life as both Lord and Christ. That's what the scripture said. You're my Lord, and you're the one that saved me. Thank you for that, Lord. And so I'm a child of God through the free gift of salvation. That's how it happens. And so if you have prayed that prayer here in this auditorium, over there at home, over there at home, get hold of us via info at Cornerstone Church. We want to get hold of you. We want to share the scriptures with you. And anybody here, meet us at the lounge or at the front afterwards. We'd love to pray with you. But for all of us, would you mind standing with me? Because for me, I I do believe there's a wonderful moment of commissioning right now. Right now. God wants to commission us as he fills us with his spirit.
with a fresh anointing to be the witnesses we are called to be. Father, in the name of Jesus, with hearts full of expectation, we ask that you help us understand the importance of being vocal. Outpouring of the Spirit was wind, movement, fire, presence, tongues, the need for a vocal witness. I want to be outspoken for this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords whom I serve. And so we pray for liberty, set our tongues free, and help us understand the message of the gospel so that we can share it. Help us share what has taken place in our hearts. Help us share that with joy, Lord. And so restore joy to us in this area especially because many of us have many wonderful opportunities where we can show your love by sharing this message. And so we do pray for opportunity, every single one of us, opportunity to be vocal, anointed of the Spirit with power to lead people to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All of us?